this is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, if we can connect you with a local church or a discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. This morning, I hope that you are able to walk away seeing Jesus care, calling us to care, putting us in a place to respond, to be rejected or respond and be forgiven. This morning, I hope that we will come to Jesus, recognize that He is God, that we are not, and share our need to Him in faith. You see, we are all going to be in front of Jesus, the sick, the saints, the sinners, the poor, and the rich. And today, we are going to look specifically at how Jesus engages three different rulers. First, the ruler who is of the synagogue. Second, the rich young ruler. And third, the ruler of the, of the tax collectors. You see, the issue is that when we face Jesus, it's not whether we're rulers on earth, it's whether we recognize that Jesus is the ruler of the earth and that he specifically is our ruler. I've been to uh, West Baltimore, a, a high school that we go to, and uh, the community around it a few times over the past few months. After returning, I, I often share some of the experiences and the opportunities that we have with different individuals. And one individual particularly said, the next generation is set up for failure for the rest of their lives because of what they've experienced and how they've been trained. When we say something like this or believe something like this, we place all of the faith and the hope that we have in the actions of the individuals who we see. We've got to be careful that we don't believe so much in the depravity of man and the works of man that we, that we remove the works of our God and King, Jesus, who came to this earth to seek and save the lost. You see, Jesus is able to transform, to seek and save the lost and to deliver and transform in a way that if we give all the credit and all of our faith and all the power to those who have lived in a life of depravity and separated from God and maybe not experienced the same kind kind of training or raising as you, or maybe not experience the same culture as you, or maybe not have just experienced the same type of family dynamics as you. When we remove the power of God to be able to change and transform people's lives, what we do is we place all of our faith in man and no faith in Jesus. I want to give you a situation. You can imagine this. A rich young executive from Baltimore comes up to Jesus. Will she be saved? A teenage student from Baltimore comes up to Jesus, will he be saved? Or a leader of the church comes up to Jesus, will he be saved? You see, it's not about who you are. We cannot determine whether Jesus is going to save one of these individuals because of what they've done. It's all about who Jesus is. It's not about who you are. It's about who Jesus is. And I want to show you three examples of people who were rulers in their society, and how they interacted with Jesus. So if you will, turn with me to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 40. It will be on the screen as well. Luke chapter 8, verse 40. It says, When Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. 
Just then a man named Jairus came. He was a leader of the synagogue. The same word for leader there is ruler. This man was something like a, Jairus was something like a ruler, a chief, uh, or a leader in the synagogue specifically. Uh, It says, he fell down at Jesus' feet and pleaded with him to come to his house because he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. And uh, brothers and sisters, I want you to see this, that uh, uh, that rulers of the earth are coming to kneel down in front of the ruler of the earth. Just keep this picture going as we walk through these three passages as you think about the idea that a ruler within the earth, well respected, is now kneeling before Jesus who was rejected uh, uh, largely by religious leaders and he is a religious leader. And you might ask the question, then why would he come and uh, kneel before Jesus in this way? Because sometimes when there's nothing else left, it drives people who would have never clinged to Jesus to cling to Jesus. In fact, there's like a breaking point here in this passage where we have like a new story, which is just going to further emphasize this point. Look at it. It says, while he was going, the crowds were nearly crushing him. A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years, who had spent all she had on doctors and yet could not be healed by any, approached from behind and touched the end of his robe. Instantly her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds are hemming in on you and pressing against you. Someone did touch me, Jesus said. Uh, I know that power has gone out from me. When the woman saw that she was discovered, she came trembling and fell down before him. You have a ruler who's fallen down before him. You have this woman who has been to all the doctors. She has sought out help. She has found none. And now she finds Jesus and finds help. And she's kneeling down before him with a, with a ruler. I want you to see that picture as you recognize that with Jesus, all people are coming to find help from Jesus because when all of the world fails, Jesus is the answer. You see, when we look at all the world and we look at how much it's failed, it should not surprise us. I say that often in this sermon series. This should not be a surprise to us that the world is struggling, lost, and dying. Jesus told us that this would happen. What is a surprise to us is that the church is putting all their faith in the worldly things and things set up by the world to deliver us from sin when we know that Jesus is the only one who can come and deliver us from sin. What should surprise us is not that the world is lost, what should surprise us is that the church has turned to the world for the answers. When we are looking to politicians and doctors for health, we can look at rulers and we can look at this woman who has fallen down in front of Jesus and recognize that there was no politician, there was no rich young ruler, there was no doctor, there was no synagogue, there was nothing that could heal her. And so for 12 years she was tormented and she comes before Jesus and she clings on to him knowing that he's the only hope and she delivers him from, he delivers her from this sickness that she has suffered from. And his response to her daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. 
You see, because it's not because of works or actions or specific words or perfect prayers or perfect uh, uh, festivals or all these different things that we do in front of Jesus that he sees us and says, well done. Instead, he sees within this woman her faith when she clings to him and she's sought out everything else. She clings to him and Jesus sees within her faith. You see, Jesus can see our hearts, not just our actions. And I want to show you this with all three of these stories that Jesus is going to see our hearts, not just our actions. And so it continues the story. Now we're going to return back to Jairus. And it says, while he was still speaking, someone came from the synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. And I cannot imagine the kind of pain that many uh, of you or people around you have experienced losing someone as close to your daughter. But hearing it in these terms, your daughter is dead, hearing it in this way kind of further shows us what exactly Jairus was doing in this situation. You see, before, we don't know what Jairus is doing. He comes and he kneels down before Jesus and you're kind of like... He, all he does is state out the situation. My daughter is dying. He does not say you know, Jesus save or Jesus heal. He doesn't say anything like that. But what we do see in this situation is because of the way this guy communicated, uh, he says, uh, don't bother this teacher anymore. Apparently, Jairus hears of Jesus, comes to Jesus, kneels down before Jesus without saying anything, or at least without it being shown to us in the text, without saying anything, all we see is this other individual come and say, hey, stop bothering Jesus. She's already passed away. And here comes the initiating compassion and care of Jesus, that compassionate heart that Jesus has. It says, when Jesus heard it, he answered him, don't be afraid. Only believe and she will be saved. To the woman clinging to him to heal her from after 12 years, he says, your faith has saved you. To uh, this Jairus, he says, believe and she will be saved. And I want you to see something. Jairus did not come up to Jesus asking for Jesus to do something for Jairus. I think this is a little bit different um, scenario than the woman who comes clinging to Jesus because she knows that he's all she has. Jairus comes to Jesus clinging to him because she, he knows that Jesus is all his daughter has. And it shows us a little bit of the heart of Jairus, a little bit of the compassion that Jairus has for his daughter and knowing that Jesus is the only one who can heal her. It says, after he came to the house, he let no one enter with him except Peter, John, James, and the child's father and mother. Everyone was crying and mourning for her, but he said, stop crying because she's not dead but asleep. They laughed at him because they knew she was dead. So he took her by the hand, called out, child, get up, her spirit returned and she got up at once. Then he gave orders that she be given something to eat. Her parents were astounded, but he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. Can you imagine being a ruler of the synagogue? I mean, you for your life have been sacrificing, following the commandments, obeying everything that the chief priests had passed down to you. You've been teaching the commandments. Everything has been structured, nice and perfect. And all of a sudden his daughter is near death and now finds out that she has passed away and everything's out the door. He just runs to this man who all the other chief priests have been rejecting and trying to kill, right? 
I mean, we've seen this throughout Luke. In fact, he is about to go to Jerusalem and be killed on the cross. Everyone else would tell Jairus that this man is a heretic. Everyone else would tell Jairus that Jesus was evil. Everyone else would tell Jairus that he was embodying uh, or trying to embody God, but he actually wasn't. But Jairus, Jairus clings to Jesus. And Jesus tells him to tell no one. Can you imagine a ruler of the synagogue who has been telling everyone everything for their, his life is now supposed to not tell anyone that Jesus saved his daughter, that he has seen a miracle in, uh, within, in front of him, the compassion of his heart driving him to cling to Jesus to save his daughter. I want, you to, I want to show you a different scenario. I want to show you a different ruler. If you will, look at me with, uh, with me at Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 23. It says, A ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And remember that. You've got to note that down. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he responds, I have kept all these from my youth. Now, so we learn a few things from this about this rich young ruler here, right? We know he's rich from the end of this passage. Uh, we know he is a ruler of something, uh, most likely a synagogue, similar to Jairus. He's probably a ruler of a synagogue, but could be a ruler of something else. But we know he's a rich ruler who has come to Jesus, and Mark would tell us he kneels down in front of Jesus. G- uh, Jairus falling down in front of Jesus, a uh, uh, rich young ruler kneeling down before Jesus in some capacity recognizing that Jesus is good. But note down the difference between Jairus and Jesus. Jairus asked and clinging to Jesus for hope that he would heal his daughter. Uh, 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 the uh, um, rich young ruler walks up to Jesus or kneels in front of Jesus and asks, what can I do? You see, both the woman and Jairus recognizes that it's all what Jesus can do. And the rich young ruler asks, what can I do? And so Jesus tells him, he says, uh, obey the laws. But no, notice that he doesn't give him the Ten Commandments. He gives him the last six. You see the first four, love God. The last six, love others. Uh, he, Jesus gives him the last six and tells him to obey these things. And so just one more thing about the rich young ruler we learn. He's religious. He thinks that he's followed all the laws. He's done everything right. He's like perfect. Did you note down that the woman who comes clinging to Jesus and Jairus who comes to Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm perfect, would you save me? Didn't say, hey, look, I've done all these things, would you save my daughter? I've done all these things, would you heal me from this sickness that no other doctor could? The rich young ruler <clears throat> just clings to Jesus. I got to get my sippy cup. <clears throat> I'm not kidding. It's an adult sippy cup. 64 total fluid ounces, man. <clears throat> I should have brought it over here. I'm going to go back to it. <clears throat> Anybody else just have crazy allergies right now? It's ridiculous. Okay. He thinks he's perfect. 
Have you ever shared the gospel with somebody and thought, this person's had the opportunity to come to Jesus. This person's had the opportunity to change their life. This person's had the opportunity to walk with the church. This person's had all these opportunities. If they aren't perfect now, we got to stop sharing the gospel with them and go to somebody else. Have you noticed that Jesus is going to people who are religious? And it's (coughs) it's not about how much they know about religion. It's not about how much they've done. It's about how much they have, they trust in Jesus and how much faith they have in Jesus. Note this down. The woman who comes to Jesus is probably religious. It's the religious people who knew about this Messiah. It's the religious people who rejected this Messiah. You think about Jairus. He was a teacher in the synagogue. We've got to be careful that we don't reject people just because they have knowledge of God's Word. But rather we need to show them the living, breathing Word, Jesus, embodied in the flesh and living in us through the Holy Spirit. So this man thinks he's perfect and he says, Jesus, I've done all of these things since my youth. When Jesus heard this, he told him, you still lack one thing. Sell all you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. After he heard this, he became extremely sad because he was very rich. And I want you to see this. this uh, what the, what's wrong with the rich young ruler is not um, that he would not give. The, wrong, the problem is what, is what is wrong with his heart. You see, there's a difference. Jesus, uh, we got to be careful as teachers and preachers that we aren't challenging everyone to give up everything. That is not Jesus' call in this moment. Jesus is speaking to the rich young ruler, showing us truths that are general, but specifically for the rich young ruler. He's calling him to give up everything. Why? Because he recognizes that the rich young ruler does not have a heart for the sick and the sinners. He does not have a heart for the poor. And if Jesus has a compassionate heart for the sick and the sinners, for the poor, if Jesus embodies that kind of heart, what he's looking to see is, does this man who claims to embody all perfect truth, does this man, rich young ruler, embody all this perfect truth? Is it actually to seek and save the lost, or is it to, to dot every I and cross every T and look perfect in front of man? And so Jesus exposes his heart. That his heart is not actually to seek and save the lost, but his heart is to save himself by doing good things. Now you may wonder, well, how much is enough? How much should we give? What good thing can we actually do? Like what if, what if the rich young ruler actually would have given everything up? What, would he have been saved? All these different questions. We have another scenario. We have another picture of this. I want you to look at Luke 19, 1 through 10 with me. Luke 19, 1 through 10, it says, he entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, remember, Jericho is like a, a richer city. It would be, it's the city everybody wanted to live in because it was like perfect temperature. Uh, it's like basically the opposite of Westminster. Um, <clears throat> perfect temperature. Everybody, I'm just kidding. Uh, everybody wants to be there. Uh, there were uh, lots of politicians. Lots of the richer people would move there so they could live there. Um, they took care of the uh, architecture and the landscaping. So it was a well-taken-care-of city. Um, this is the, the story, you remember, of the Good Samaritan that Jesus gives. Uh, that's in Jericho. It takes place. So we have these stories of, of richer people, uh, more affluent uh, areas, a culture that is kind of influenced heavily by finances. And it says in the text, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. So we're talking rich in Jericho, 
and we're talking a chief tax collector in Jericho. Chief tax collector is two Greek words combined together. One is the word for uh, ruler, leader, chief, like I told you before, plus tax collector. He was the ruling tax collector. He was the leader of tax collectors. There would have been tax collectors underneath him within Jericho that he could literally command to take as much money as he wanted. They could go out and if they saw on the street somebody that had something that they wanted, they could take it from them, and it was totally legal. In fact, they could tell other tax collectors to go and take it for them, and they were protected by the Roman authorities to be able to do that. This man was hated by the Jews. I told you how much the Jews hated tax collectors. Imagine how much they hated the ruling tax collector. He was very rich, and he was trying to see Jesus. Think about that scenario. Okay, it says in the verse, he was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. Notice that it is necessary in uh, in prophetic language in Jesus' language, what that would mean is he was doing it to fulfill something that everybody was looking for. He was doing it to fulfill who he had uh, been sent to be, uh, to show the world who he is. It was necessary that Jesus showed the world that he would sit down with people like a ruling tax collector. It was necessary. Why? Because the people needed to see what Jesus' heart and compassionate and, and care and serving and seeking was all about. And so the question is, as Jesus is going to the house, what will Zacchaeus do? How will he respond? And, and honestly, I, I want to walk you through this and pause right at the end. I don't want you to move forward. I just want you to stop right at the end of when I stop reading. Don't look forward. Look at this. Jesus says he's going to come and stay at his house. It says, so he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a simple man. Don't expect the world to approve of what you do. Do what is faithful to Jesus. Lay your, down on your head, lay your head down on your bed, on your pillow, and know that you've been faithful to Jesus despite what the world says. Uh, um, the world is always going to call us and uh, um, 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 judge us. Do what is faithful, just like Jesus did. Okay, it says this. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord, and if I have extorted anyone, anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Stop there. Think about this. The rich young ruler was just in front of Jesus, kneeling down before Jesus, said, what good thing must I do? And Jesus said, you've got to give up everything to the poor, all you have to the poor. And here Zacchaeus comes up to him, and he's like, I'll give away half of what I have. And, and, and seriously, like, are you, are you with me on this? You feel like Zacchaeus... It's sort of like trying to work his way towards heaven is what we would say. He's trying to do works to get into heaven. He's like, Jesus, here's what I'll do for you. Like in, in all reality, when we see this text, most of us would think like, oh, Jesus is about to say to him, it's not about what you can give. It's not about your money. It's not about, uh, you, man, you think that you can do all these different things and win my favor and win my forgiveness. You think you can do that? Like that's what he would say to the chief priests and the religious leaders all the time. We expect that. Like, we got to expect that when we come to this passage to look at it and go, oh, Jesus is about to light him up. Look at what Jesus says to him, though. 
Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. You see, when we walk away from the rich young ruler, it looks like it's about how much you give. Uh, I think I've even preached this in my younger ages. I know I've heard it so many times. If you're not willing to give up everything, if you're not willing to give up all your money and all these different things for Jesus, then how can you be saved? That is not an accurate description of what Jesus is doing the rich young ruler. It's not about how much you give. It's about the heart that is giving. For the rich young ruler, it's not about that he won't give uh, uh, this much. It's about that he won't give. It's not about that he won't give everything. It's about that he won't give. It's a heart issue, uh, loving and seeking and saving the sick and the sinners, the poor and those who are separated from God. And here's what we see with Zacchaeus, right? We don't see him give up all his money. We don't see him give up all his possessions. We don't see him walk away from his family. We don't see him walk away from his job. We don't see him walk away from everything. Here's what we see. A heart that is for the sick and the sinners and the poor. And Jesus recognizes it and says, he too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. You see, Zacchaeus had a heart like Jesus. The rich young ruler did not. You see, Jairus shows us the care and the compassion of Christ to those who are sick and away from him, separated from him. Jairus shows us what the heart of Jesus is like. When a religious leader who's been leading people astray from him comes to him, Jesus has a compassionate heart for a 12-year-old girl who's passing away. Jesus has a compassionate heart. And so we are challenged with this. Rich young rulers uh, uh, faced with the reality, will he have the same kind of care that Jesus has? Will he have the same kind of compassion that Jesus has? And the rich young ruler walks away. And then Zacchaeus is faced with the same scenario. Will uh, Will Zacchaeus have the same kind of care and compassion as Jesus? And the answer is yes. Because Jesus cares for the sick. He rejects those who don't, and he forgives those who do. Now, please, please hear me in this. There's nothing you can do. There's no amount of works you can do to be forgiven by Jesus. It's all about who he is and nothing about who we are. It's all about what Jesus does and has given us freely in his name and in his works and what he has accomplished for us. So when Jesus sees a a humble heart clinging to him, knowing that he is the only one who saves, then they they have personally identified that he is the only one who can save them and cling to Jesus for salvation. When the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, the rich young ruler is not clinging to Jesus for salvation. He's clinging to what he has done. You see, this is not about what we can do or or how good our heart is toward the poor or the sick and sinners. This is about do we recognize that we too are the sick and the sinners? I think Zacchaeus understands that if Jesus is willing to come to his house and sit down with him, how much more should he be willing to go to the sick and to the sinners? It's recognizing that if Jesus would save me, how am I not called to go save others in his name? 
to seek and save the lost, just like he's called us to do, to rescue with his power and authority in his gospel message. You see, Jesus cares for the sick. What we have to do is uh, figure out if we are going to be the ones who are rejected because we don't or forgiven because we do. And it's not because of what we've done. It's because of what he has done. But it's recognizing that what he has done will transform our lives when we come before him kneeling down, falling down, or climbing a tree. It doesn't matter. As rulers rich or poor, it doesn't matter. What matters is, are you clinging to Jesus? And it seems that, it just seems that in every passage, and so I want to make sure I clearly communicate this, it seems that in every passage Jesus encounters somebody with, those who have a humble heart who care for the sick and the sinners are the people who have faith in Jesus. They are the people who are humble. They are the people who have repented. It seems that 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 kind of humility uh, to to seek and save the lost, to care for the poor, is just a representation of the faith that is within them. So I, I think it's really challenging to us, and I hope this challenges you today, this morning. That if you don't have a heart for the for the sick and the sinners, for those who are far from Jesus, for Jairus' daughter, or for those whom you've hurt, like when Zacchaeus says, "I'm going to give back fourfold to those whom he's hurt." If we don't have a heart for the sick and the sinners, we have to really look inside our hearts and ask ourselves the question, do we realize what Jesus has done for us? Have I, tru- have I believed in Jesus? How, do I have a humble and repentant heart that has said, as the rulers, as some of the rulers did, I'm a ruler on earth. Jesus, you are the ruler of the earth. The majority of the people in this room are richer than anybody on this planet. It's a reality of living in America today. We have access to more than any other culture has ever had access to. We are rich in terms of the world, at least financially. Will we come before Jesus, kneeling before him as rulers and rich of this world, and give to Jesus, love Jesus, serve Jesus, repent to Jesus, become humble in front of Jesus to say, all things that I have are yours to care for the poor, to care for the sick, and to care for the sinners because you have loved me first. Because you, God, gave your life for me, the sick and the sinner. Separated from you, you loved me. I think it's just a humility and a repentance that we see throughout these passages. Y'all, three different rulers. I'm going to end with this. The band can come forward. I'm going to end with this. Three rulers, y'all. Three different rulers come to Jesus in Luke. Two kneel down before him. One falls down. One kneels down. One climbs up a tree. And you can look at all three of these different scenarios and just ask yourself, where are you in that? I don't want you to be Zacchaeus. I don't want you to be Jairus. I don't want you to be the rich young ruler. I don't want you to try to emulate who they are. What I instead want you to do is look at your own heart. I don't want you to give away all your money. I don't want to give you to give away half of your money. I'm not even asking you to give money. I, I never do that at this church. I'm not asking you to do those things. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Look at your heart and just simply ask the question, do I care for the sick and the sinners like Jesus cares for the sick and sinners? Because if we don't, we have, may have missed the gospel entirely because we are the sick and sinners. And so I want you today to ask yourself a few questions as your gospel response. Will you find someone far from Jesus who is sick and just meet a need? 
Find somebody who's far from Jesus who is sick and suffering and just meet a need. Now you see the two components of that. Sick and far from Jesus. And meet something that they need. Now if there's a barrier in the way, if you say, man, I, I don't want to, uh, I, I, I have no compassion towards them, I don't have anything initiating me to take care of them, I don't want to do anything. What I want you to do is recognize that the areas in your life that are causing a, a divide between compassion for them and frustration towards them. What is, the, what is in between you having compassion to that individual? And y'all, we're talking chief tax collector, ruling tax collector, Jericho. We're talking a woman who could not stop bleeding, who if she touched you, you could not go into the temple. We're talking Jesus going into a house where everybody called him a sick, a, a, a sick a sinner, a glutton, and a drunkard. I'm not asking you to go to those who look like they have it all together. Though Jesus might be calling you to them too. I'm asking you not to go to the rich young ruler who's trying to cling to what he can do, but to go to those who are clinging to what Jesus has done. Find someone to meet a need. And if there's something, a barrier in between you and them, I would ask you to discuss those areas in your life where you're not compassionate with others. Look, we are our worst counselors. Y'all with me on that one? Like, we can just cycle through and tell ourselves things all day long. We know our worst struggles. We know what goes on in our mind. We tell ourselves all the time what we should do to be different, and we often don't change. We need somebody to come alongside us that we can talk through these things with, to sift them out and see if they're accurate, and then to keep us accountable to do those things. Would you find someone who's far from Jesus, who is sick and meet a need? Would you recognize areas in your life that are causing a barrier between you reaching them? And would you discuss those things in your life with those who are around you, whom you trust? And I want to pray over you, but as we finish, think about this. Three rulers, two kneeling down, one climbing a tree. One clings to what he can do, the other two clings to what Jesus has done. Jesus sees it in Jairus and in Zacchaeus based on their heart for others. I'm not telling you there's a work you can do. But what I am telling you is, when Jesus transforms our hearts, it tends to change us to seek and save the lost. If we're not doing that, we might be more like the rich young ruler and first need to evaluate our hearts. Let me pray for you. God, we come to you. God, we praise you, Father, for who you are and what you've done for us. And God, we pray that, God, that as we've been challenged this morning, that we find those, maybe that we know or know of, Father, that you're calling us to, God, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to meet a need, to sit down at a table. Father, to see them like you see them. God, we pray that we take this challenge, God. That we meet a need. That we love well. Because you've loved us. We praise you, God. It's your holy name we pray. Amen.
church. Remember, your sin in the midst of darkness to light it up. I hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next week. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us, and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.